Gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution you to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! Good morning, Middle Tennessee. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. We're living in London out there, folks. Foggy, rainy, and doesn't look like it's going to let up. Uh, but I guess that's a good thing. We are apparently coming out of a drought, which we we've been in a drought. We've got a little echo here. We've been in a drought, and we're we're coming out. Um, apparently, hopefully. Uh, and it's a good thing because if we go into spring in a drought condition, that uh, that, that causes bad things to happen. Uh, again, I'm Del Kennedy. I'm dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. You getting your boat ready out there? Yeah, I got my boat ready, man. Okay. I got an ark over here. <laughs> all right, we've we've got some very special guests this morning. First of all, my old uh, colleague and and good friend Mike Roden, who takes the progressive uh, uh, side view of things, and he was uh, next door to me in the U.S. Attorney's office for fifteen to twenty years, and and uh, we had a good time uh, helping each other out on cases or just talking about anything. Actually, as the day went on. Yeah. Good morning, Mike Roden. How you good, doing, man? Good morning, everybody. Right. I think there was at least one time that uh, uh, Delk bailed me out on a case, and I think there was one time I bailed him out on a case. So we, we, we worked together very well. Yes, we did. I think that went both ways several <laughs> times. And, uh, yeah, we were, we were a good team, and, and that, that, was, that was very much appreciated. Uh, special guest, George Varalis, uh, is a friend of the station, with us this morning. Good morning, George. Good morning, y'all. And also very special guest, State Representative Scott Specky, how you doing, man? Good morning, everybody. Okay, Scott, I'm gonna. I know you've got just a limited amount of time, so we'll go to you first. But uh, you know, I couldn't have you on without asking your take on the Super Bowl. Uh, I thought it was a great football game. I thought uh, San Francisco missed their opportunities to uh, possibly put Kansas City away early uh, by not being able to convert uh, field goals uh, into touchdowns. Uh, and it come down to that very important part called the kicking game. Uh, the, uh, they muffed that punt that kept uh, Kansas City in the game that led to a touchdown. And then uh, the uh, extra point yep. uh, turned out to be huge uh, late in the game, which would have forced Kansas City to try to score a touchdown on fourth down instead of being able to kick the, uh, the uh, field goal and go into overtime. So, you know, nobody wants to be – everybody makes fun of punters and kickers uh, d- during the week, but boy, nobody wants to be a punter or kicker on Saturdays or Sundays. So, um, great game. Um, I think we uh, we saw uh, Miss Swift just enough to uh, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask influence to it, uh, but uh, it wasn't overbearing. And I think we saw uh, two very very good football teams on the football field, and and I think everybody got got their money's worth. There you go. I, I, I agree. It was a good game. The uh, I, I had no favorite going in, but <clears throat> because the announcers, to me, obviously favored Kansas City, and uh, and so that that got me to favor San Francisco as the game went on, and also that young quarterback. What what's his name? Brock Purdy. 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 Yeah, Brock Purdy. I mean, Mr. He, Irrelevant. 
because he was the last person taken in the draft that year. Wow. The last person picked in the draft is called Mr. Irrelevant. And sometimes they they wind up being irrelevant, but sometimes they wind up being stars. Yeah, I mean, he he had an underdog vibe to him, young uh, underdog and and really trying hard so that everybody loves an underdog, you know, so that – that's what I thought. Scott, you've only got a few minutes. What's going on in the legislature this week? What's, what's uh, uh, Just want to get everybody an update on some bills that we've got in committee that we're running. Uh, I'll go through them very quickly because I've got a conference call here. i got to get on at 830. Um, our math bill that is going to start to look at how we're going to deliver mathematics in our K-12 system and, and, and getting the training for teachers and our education prep providers on how they're going to teach and prepare our, our future teachers on how we're going to deliver mathematics across the state of Tennessee. Uh, That bill is in government operations this uh, this afternoon, along with my artificial intelligence bill. And all it does is we recognize that artificial intelligence is the new frontier in education. But we have to get some guardrails on it for our professors, our teachers, and our, uh, our students. And so what it does is it requires our colleges and universities and our K-12 system to just come up with a policy so everybody knows what footing they're on in regards to artificial intelligence and how it will be used uh, in the classroom moving forward. Uh, there's another bill that will be in committee tomorrow. Uh, it is our health care workers protection bill. Uh, this comes from our very own Chandler Anderson. Uh, we've been working on this for two years. And what it does is it says if you go into a health care facility and you assault somebody in there, the consequences to that will be an escalation either to a, a misdemeanor or a felony, depending on if it's regular assault or aggravated assault. The, the message we're trying to, to send is do not, please do not assault the people in our health care facilities that are there to try to help you. And we're going to send a crystal clear message and it might help people get the help they need also. Uh, we are working uh, in finance this week. On the real estate transfer tax, Delk, you know about that one, working on to try to help growth pay for growth. Uh, Currently, the the cost of this coming back, uh, or the advantage of this coming back to Murray County, uh, half of the real estate transfer tax that we send uh, to Nashville, we're going to ask that half of it come back to Murray County, roughly about 6 to $7 million that could be used for school maintenance, school upgrades, or school capital. Um, another bill that I'm running that uh, it, it sounds far-fetched, folks, but we it is technology. Uh, we have the technology to put human vaccines into our food source. Uh, they have per- perfected it at UC Berkeley in tomatoes and lettuce. Uh, uh, R.J. Reynolds and the big tobacco companies are working with tobacco, which to me I can't figure out how it works because you're going to you're going to light the tobacco on fire. But they've come up with the efficacy to put human vaccines uh, into our food source. And all we're going to ask is, in the state of Tennessee, we're going to treat those like a pharmaceutical so that we don't overdose or underdose. Uh, Therefore, people would get a prescription for these types of of vegetables to be able to eat and consume. So it makes it a lot easier to get vaccines into people. Uh, And then lastly, uh, our driver's license bill. Uh, We've had a problem where we've misinterpreted federal law. I know that shocks a lot of people. Uh, in the state of Tennessee, but the federal law says that if you are uh, in a 15-passenger van or smaller in our school systems, uh, you do not have to have a CDL. Tennessee misinterpreted that and included the 15-passenger vans of having a CDL like a normal bus driver, and it's causing a lot of problems in our school systems and our private schools about being able to find bus drivers. And so we're just going to sync ourselves up with the federal law that says if it's 16 passengers or greater, you have to have the CDL. 
15 passengers and below, you do not. And then uh, the last bill we're working on for next week, uh, one of the things we're trying to do is incentivize more teachers to get into the teaching profession. Uh, last year, Governor Lee and the General Assembly started the process of raising the base teacher pay up to $50,000 by the 25-26 school year. Uh, we are also looking at also providing a child care stipend for teachers also to where the the teacher would pay one-third, the district would pay one-third, and the state would pay one-third up to a total of $1,000 for daycare per month. We found that one of the biggest problems we have is when teachers have children, they are leaving the profession because it's there's no cost advantage to go back into the classroom because the cost of daycare is so expensive. This bill is also going to sync up with the provision we're, we're working on right now called the Promising Futures Bill run by Chairman White. And what that bill does is it establishes a curriculum and training for child care, for high-quality child care, starting at earlier ages so we can get these kids the the wherewithal and the knowledge so that when they hit kindergarten, they are prepared and ready to go. So uh, that's what's going on in the General Assembly this week. And then obviously we will. the budget's been out there. Everything is exactly pretty much how it was last year. We don't have that 3 to $4 billion surplus. There is a small surplus. It looks like we're going to be able to uh, to come about. And there's some programs like the, uh, the teacher child care bill that we're hoping we can find money to fund to start to help out teachers and incentivize more people to get into the teaching profession. Oh, wow. Hey, Scott, that's a good yes. report. Where, where I know you're not in higher education. Where is the full funding for TSU going? And why is the legislature trying to abandon the board for Tennessee State University? Other question is, uh, what what are we doing about the homeless population in the state of Tennessee? Ooh, well, those are two big questions there. Um, let me try to be as quickly as I, quick as I can because I may have to come back, Delk, on another day and finish those questions. Sure. Uh, the one on TSU, we found a lot of the comptroller has found a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse of taxpayer funds at TSU. And so the comptroller came to government operations and they reported to government operations a detailed report on um, basically there's a lot of money that's unaccounted for at TSU that they cannot account for. What about so, the underfunding, though, Scott? The underfunding of TSU over the years uh, is estimated that you owe TSU $2 billion, the state of Tennessee. Well, well, that, that, that was there long before I got there, Mr. York. That's That's one thing they are trying to work through. Uh, they did increase funding for them, and they also, you know, the tornado that came through, we we basically postponed every other uh, capital project in the state when that tornado came through and tore up a lot of their campus, and, and we tried to rebuild it as quick as we can. But the first yeah. question, just let, me, let me finish the first okay. question. The first question was uh, about the, the board. Uh, we are responding to the, basically the comptroller's report about fraud, waste, and abuse. So that's that's what's happening with that. Um, that board will be reconstituted, reappointed by the governor of Tennessee, reconfirmed by the, by the General Assembly, and TSU will continue on. Um, about the, 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 the shortings of money, uh, Harold Love is one of the big champions of uh, Representative Love, who I work with in education. Um, we have been working together on this, trying to figure out how we can get more of those funds put into a university. I think you'll see, Mr. York, the willingness of the General Assembly once we get that comptroller's uh, report put behind us 
and we have confidence in the board is going to allocate the money correctly, I think you'll start to see that money flow back into TSU. Let me me share this with you. I went to a school that got the same claims against them for years, Gramlin State University in Louisiana. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until the president of Gramlin sued the state of Louisiana to pay the back money, just like happens here Mm -hmm. in Tennessee, to help them ably fund the functions that they had at the at the college. Now, you all are doing the same thing. You're not fully funding, but you're telling complaining about how they spend the money. Well, no, Mr. York, we're not complaining about how they're spending the money. We're complaining that they have about two hundred million dollars that they can't account for. And so that's the issue that the comptroller has is not how they're spending the money, Mr. York, is that money has gone to TSU and nobody can tell us where roughly $200 million has gone. Like I say, that's the same claim the state of Louisiana made against Gramlin time and time and time again. It was because they didn't have the funds. They were putting, they were spending the funds appropriately, but maybe in different categories. Okay, George Morales has got his hand up over here, Scott. Hey, good morning, Scott. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Go ahead. Good. Uh, I love the idea of helping teachers with the daycare. I've always thought of the idea of having each school have its own daycare, and then they can work on developmental skills. There you go. Developmental skills so that uh, we're preparing them for kindergarten because we know that uh, there's a lot of issues there preparing kids these days. So uh, good job there, Scott. Uh, Scott, you know that uh, I've been meeting with you, and we've been talking about drug prevention in the schools and how that that would uh, work and what that would look like. And unfortunately, it's not – part of legislation right now but uh since you brought up the transfer tax uh i did talk to uh principal dr richard Steele, and uh mm-hmm. he likes the idea what i share with him he wants to start a pilot project and uh i'm not done uh talking to the other schools yet but what do you think of using some of that transfer uh fee tax to go to a drug prevention program in the schools in murray county well, that, that's one of, uh, uh, George, that's one of the things that we're hoping to do is Murray County budgets so much money into the, ma- well, not so much. They budget money into the maintenance of the schools. What we're hoping is, is we can free up more autonomy and freedom to the local school board that if we can find this, let's say, extra six, seven million dollars to come back in, into Murray County to account for that maintenance, which is, which is far greater than what I believe Murray County um, allocates right now. If we can come up with a funding mechanism that pays for that of that real estate transfer tax, now programs like you're talking about, that those recurring dollars that the school board has can be used for other programs to benefit our, our children. Therefore, we don't have to create all those different uh, nuances. We let the locals create those nuances with help from like you and, and others, but we, we send back money from the state. Uh, to help uh, maintain the schools so that the county commission and the school board don't have to rely on local money to do that. They can rely on that real estate transfer tax money. Yes, sir. Well, I would just like to kindly ask you to consider amending that bill just to mention drug prevention because uh, math, science, English, it's not going to matter if those kids are hooked on drugs. It is the most important subject we have today. Thank you, sir. Not debating you. There you go. All right, uh, Mike. Clayton, y'all got questions? We got Scott Spicky. We got him about well, another five the, minutes here. I know the representative uh, has has limited time, but uh, I just found out this weekend. I like to consider myself pretty informed, but uh, I missed this one. I just found out this weekend that when I uh, go to renew the license, uh, the, the registration on my uh, Ford Maverick truck, which is a hybrid, 
that I'm going to have a little extra tax. And yeah, me too. Uh, I, I did some research and found out about that uh, particular statute. And um, uh, uh, I, I sort of understand the, the logic behind it uh, on electric vehicles. But uh, I put gas in my tank. Uh, now, admittedly, I get 41 miles to the gallon. At least that's what my uh, little monitor tells me on the uh, on the dashboard. But um, so I'm, I'm not using as much gas as perhaps other uh, citizens who do not have a, a hybrid, but uh, but I do use gas, and uh, I just kind of wanted to know if if there was much uh, discussion as to why hybrids were included in that in that legislation. I feel the That's same. A great question. So we received a report from the Department of Transportation last year about the funds uh, coming in from the sale of. Uh, a fuel, the, the, the fuel tax. And what they've seen is as more and more of hybrids and more and more of electric vehicles come online, our traffic use on our highways is increasing, but the revenue of those paying the fuel tax is decreasing. And it's because obviously if you have an electric vehicle, you're not buying any fuel. If you have a hybrid, you're buying a reduced amount of fuel. You're still buying fuel, but you're not buying the same amount as someone with a gas, a fully gas engine. And so they commissioned a study to look at it and try to come up with a way to assess, on average, what an individual would pay using the, the highway system for fuel. And they tried to come up with a leveling system to it in regards to hybrids and in regards to electric vehicles. And the numbers that they've given us, the General Assembly adopted, as a fee when you get your tag is to try to level out this playing field so that usage is everybody's paying basically the same for the same usage of our highways across the state of Tennessee so we can continue to maintain them. That's a short answer to a very long topic question. There you go, Scott. And I know you've just got a, a, like literally about two minutes more. But the two issues, I think, Clayton, you tell me if you agree, the two issues on Murray County's minds, uh, more than any in terms of the state legislature this year, I think are, one, the growth paying for growth you've already talked about the real estate transfer tax and how that might help growth pay for growth provide funding for growth and the other being the school voucher or uh issue uh so i guess uh you've already talked about the real estate transfer tax where's the school voucher thing right now well that Delk, that's a topic i could give you a couple hours on obviously yeah, i, I got gotcha. you 30 seconds here okay um we we are about mm, hopefully a week maybe this week sometime we've been working on this governor's proposal uh and we've also expanding it if you look at the caption bill that the governor has filed it opens up all of title 49 in education everything and there are things that we've been working on in public education that we have been unable to secure for more teaching time for our kids, less testing time for our kids, uh, more autonomy and freedoms for our public school systems. We've heard complaints about uh, public schools' hands are tied in regard to private schools. So we've looked at those freedoms that, that private schools have, and we're going to try to see if we can incorporate some of those freedoms and autonomy into our public school system so that we can put them more on a level playing field when it comes to the classroom. Um, I would say hopefully by the end of this week, if not by the beginning of next week, you will have the House version of what the governor's plan is. Uh, my recommendation is I would probably focus right now on what you see on the House version. That's probably the version that we are going to push the hardest to get done. It will have some provisions in there for school choice. We have looked at Arizona and other states 
that have made some key mistakes in this that we are not going to repeat in Tennessee. And there are some successes that we're going to take from this, too. And that's the best part about not going first sometimes is you can see what the pitfalls are and make it make changes to those. And then uh, um, hopefully within about a week, like I said, Del, uh, we'll have that bill dropped. And I do promise you once that bill gets dropped and everybody sees it, I'll be happy to come on. And you may have to devote a little bit more time than 30 seconds to discuss this. There we go. And I know you've got to go. So we've gone long already. We're going to go ahead and take a break and let you get to your conference call. Representative Sebecki, thank you as always for coming on, keeping us informed of what's going on in Nashville. Have a great day, Murray Gunn. Motor Sales is Middle Tennessee's home for the best GMC vehicles on the market. Visit Parks at 919 Nashville Highway and test drive truck favorites like the GMC Sierra or Canyon. Or try a popular SUV like the GMC Acadia or Terrain. Parks also has a wide variety of certified pre-owned vehicles for every need. At ParksMotorSales.com, you'll see an extensive inventory, their latest deals, and servicing options. Shop Parks Motor Sales once and you'll agree. Parks, GMC, we are professional grade. Hi, this is George Ross with The Way Realty. Please allow me to share a little bit about us. We measure our success by the quality of service you receive. We provide many ways to help you get the most when selling your house, like home staging, landscaping, repairs, professional pictures, and aggressive marketing. Our listings are posted on the MLS, Realtracks.com, Zillow, Realtor.com, and Trulia. Your house will most likely be your biggest investment for your family and for your future retirement. Let us help you fulfill the American dream by buying, building, or selling your next home. And most importantly, let this new year be a great year by putting Jesus first in your life. Jesus Christ changes lives. I know because he changed mine. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. 
Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, memsmodernlandscape.com. That's memsmodernlandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trotwood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Hey, this is Seth Moss at Tennessee Valley Equipment, a premier FAE Prime Tech, Bandit, and Surex dealer. We are your dealer for all of your land clearing and forestry mulching needs. We sell equipment, provide repair service, and parts along with a rental fleet of mulching equipment. We also offer mulching teeth, blades, and sharpening. Our number one priority is getting you up and running as quickly and affordable as possible. Tennessee Valley is located at 300 Santa Fe Pike in wonderful Columbia, Tennessee. Stop by or give us a call today at 931-981-9812. Life gets busy and sometimes slowing down to buy your family quality food can seem impossible. This is Terry Taylor with Taylor Family Farm and we offer local home delivery in addition to our local drop locations to help with that problem. Now you can get your favorite pastured poultry, pork and grass-fed beef delivered right to your door. Visit taylorfamilyfarmtn.com to find out how. We believe in healthy food, healthy people and healthy community at Taylor Family Farm. Hi, I'm Kurt Green. If you're looking for a great night of acapella music, all you've got to do is come out on the 24th and you'll see us at the Cherry Theater, 7th Element. And you will have such a great time. I'm hoping that all of the community comes out and supports this wonderful concert. It's at 6 p.m. I don't want you to miss it because you can find it so easily on Eventbrite. And just look for 7th Element in France. You're going to love it. Get your tickets today. With a view, my name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three on this cold and rainy Monday. Damp and rainy. It's it's kind of it's not all that cold out, but it's kind of sure got a chill to it. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Del. Somebody said there was snow in the forecast. I don't know when, but I, I heard somebody say that we could end up getting another round of snow. I don't. Has anybody else heard that? I haven't heard it. I don't know. No, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mr. York, Mr. York, you're muted. I, I I saw you trying to say something there, but. I think the Farmer's Almanac says we're okay. due for another snow. We can hear you now, Mr. York. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York, how you doing? Good morning, Delk. I got a black history moment when you introduce everybody. Okay, we can do it. Uh, regular special guest dude now, Mike Roden, my colleague in the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in Nashville, a good friend, and he's he's here to help you, Mr. York. He takes the progressive uh, liberal point of view. So <laughs> I will do my Very best. Good. All right. Good morning, Mike. 
Good morning, everybody. And guest with us, friend of the station this morning, uh, George Varellis. How you doing, man? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Good morning. All right, Black History Moment, uh, Ms. York. Okay, did you know that the tallest African-American recorded was from right here in Sumner County, Tennessee, John Bud Williams? He was eight foot nine inches tall. Wow. Wow. Did he play basketball? Now, the the only one taller than him was Robert Wadlow that was born in Illinois. He was 8 foot 11 inches tall. Good grief. Now, the tallest man in the world as of today is Sumana Abdul Sam, and he's 9 foot 6 inches tall, and he lives in Ghana. He's 29 years old. Good grief. Now, John Bud Williams, he, you know, being that tall, you have issues walking and feet problems and stuff. And he was not, he, he finally passed away in 1905, but he was born in 1868 in Sumner County. My wow. goodness. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, that is incredible. I, I imagine there are a lot of challenges to living a life that tall, though. Uh, this fellow who's alive right now and is nine feet tall, is, is the NBA trying to recruit him? <laughs> I don't know. Nine foot six inches would make him pretty good pretty good material to try to recruit. He wouldn't need, he wouldn't need a lot of talent. <laughs> Catch and drop it into the goal. Catch and drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would not leave not a lot of talent. Well, it is Black History Month, and uh, we'll look forward to to uh, talking about it all month long, as as the occasion may arise, we we've had a lot to happen since our last show on Thursday. Okay, about it. talk about it, Clayton. What's up? Well, I mean, you had the special counsel's uh, report that came out Thursday, along with uh, President Biden's press conference. Um, you had Tucker Carlson's interview of Vladimir Putin. It's just a lot going on. There, there is a lot going on. Uh, and I think we all sort of have that have American foreign policy on our minds in some way or the other. Um, but now, George, you wanted to, you've talked some about drugs in schools, reference Pecky, or or keeping drugs out of the schools more more apt. Mm-hmm. We don't want drugs in schools. We want drugs out of the schools. Uh, but we don't want them in the parking lot either. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, uh, so true. How, how did this become such a? I mean, I I share your concern, but what what caused you to be uh, concerned so, about it? Sure. So, well, because I read the paper, you yeah, know, I yeah. I see the news and I see what's going on. I'm a jail minister. I'm there every Sunday, and ninety five to ninety seven percent are all in there because of drug use. So it's a problem. It's a chronic problem. It's it's all over state of Tennessee. It's all over our nation and. A lot of people don't know this, but the state of Tennessee has one of the highest overdose rates in our nation per capita. So we've got big problems, and uh, very little is being done about it. And uh, so I've been advocating for drug prevention in the schools for a while. I helped bring the uh, Stay on Track program in 2006. It was in every sixth grade. It was following DARE, and then it followed the student all the way till they graduated. But when the recession hit, they pulled them all out. So all the drug task force agents with the National Guard lost their jobs. And then it was very hard to get the program back. And then I tried to bring another program back. It was put on by Teen Challenge, and it was in a conference setting. And 
as you know, trying to get conferences in the schools where all the students attend, it's, it's challenging. It takes a lot of work. And uh, But uh, when kids hear the truth about drugs, uh, it makes them really think hard about it. So... Um, so anyways, uh, I believe that drug prevention in the schools should be our number one top priority. Um, in 2021, more people died from drug overdoses in the state of Tennessee than everyone that was killed on American soil during the attacks of 9-11. So we've got big problems, and it's, it's increasing very, very fast. Uh, a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago just lost his son. My neighbor just lost his da- her daughter. Oh uh, three days ago. Um, I mean, this is chronic problems. And so we have to attack this like it's the plague. And if we don't, it's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And uh, I kind of feel that uh, our society is almost giving up hope. Uh, that's why they're not really trying to do anything about it. Uh, if you saw the paper today, it's uh, regarding the uh, debate on uh, cannabis and why cannabis uh, should be legal or not illegal. And what a lot of people don't know is that when you bring heat to cannabis, the TH, THA, is that what it is? THC. THC. Uh, what happens to it is in the cannabis, it's actually THC-A. And when you bring heat to it, it brings it to become THC. So it becomes a drug. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the report that Bucky, Sheriff Bucky Rowland had on Channel 2 News, but he had, I think it was like a 55-gallon drum of all the vapes that were Confiscated? Confiscated. Confiscated. Okay, that word. Um, It was a big old... Taken away. Taken away, yes. uh, Taken away. Uh, He had a full drum that he he turned upside down, and all these vapes were confiscated off of the kids in schools. And um, so what's in those vapes? Well, it can be anything. It can be uh, cannabis. It can be uh, tobacco. Uh, But uh, what's going on is that these kids are experiencing... Uh, effects of drugs. Uh, they're putting uh, cannabis in them and they're smoking them. And those pipes can be odorless and smokeless. So it's very hard to detect. And, uh, you know, so we've got this big problem going on. I really want to see our state legislator uh, bring in a program. So I kind of shared the information. And here's how the program would work. So there's two aspects of this program. Uh, last year, they passed legislation that there will be a resource officer in every school. I would like to see the resource officer starting in the third grade uh, teach a drug prevention program throughout the year. Uh, and it needs to touch every child in the third grade, fourth grade, all the way up till they graduate. And we don't need to stop. We need to hit it hard. We need to be very serious about this drug problem. Um, you know, if we're tough on it, if we fight it like the plague, we can knock this out. We can make huge differences. Another uh, deterrent would be a drug testing program. Now, you can tr- uh, test kids now if there's suspicion. Uh, but I like what Texas has done. Texas has a law to where if you want to be involved in sports or an after-school activity or if you want to drive onto the school parking lot, you have to take a drug test. And the reason for the drug test is more of a deterrent. It's not to try to catch kids doing drugs. It's trying to prevent kids from ever trying drugs. So I'm on a mission to try to get uh, this uh, drug prevention program in every public school in the state of Tennessee. And uh, I just feel that, you know, like I said before, what how important is math, science, and English if the kids hooked on drugs? And it's an alarming rate on how fast – 
this is developing. I saw a truck the other day in Columbia. It's parked uh, on uh, Carmack. It's a big yellow truck with a big green pot leaf, and it says, uh, I think, cannabis candy. So they're attracting uh, the use is what they're doing. And if you read the paper today, everything is about their business. Nothing is about how this is affecting our society or affecting our, our kids. You know, legalizing cannabis is very counterproductive. Uh, I don't know the stats on how that will affect on the tax dollars on that, but when I was doing some research, when they were bringing alcohol into the community and all this, um, I guess, wine in the grocery stores and things like that, I just want to do some research on it. And what I found that for every dollar that Tennessee collected on the tax of alcohol, $11.20 was spent on fighting the effects and the damages that alcohol was causing our state. And that does not include the death, the pain, the misery, the uh, just the mental torment. You know, drug addiction, alcoholism, it is everyone's problem. And we have got to fight this. We have got to do better. And we can. It's just like border security. We have the answer. We just won't do anything about it. And that's what's going on right now in our schools, in our society. We're not doing much about it. Not enough. We have to attack this like the plague. We have to be serious about it. Or we're going to keep losing kids and we're going to keep getting our society dumbed down. I guess well, that's all I have to say. Well, I, right I appreciate it. I, oh, yeah, I think, sure. If, I think the community shares your concerns about drugs and our children. And uh, it's, it's important uh, to uh, be aware and get something done. We're a little bit off schedule today. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back. This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. It's February and love is in the air all month. There's no better time to find your perfect match than this month with Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. From now until February 29th, get a free UV light when you purchase select new HVAC systems from Hiller. It's the perfect pair for cleaner, healthier air inside. You'll never be more in love with your home. Find your perfect match today at happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be or the service is free. Call the happy face truck today. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. 
Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Hey, this is Jonathan Castile, a.k.a. John Boy, with John Boy's Handyman Service. One call and we'll handle it all. Truly means we'll handle it all. From pressure washing your house to doing remodeling, we're licensed, insured, and bonded. So rest assured, John Boy will handle it all. You can contact me at 931-242-7620 or my email, castilejonathan10 at gmail.com. This is Debbie Matthews with the Nashville Realty Group. And if you've been paying attention, you know the housing market has been tough. But rates are beginning to thaw. So if you're thinking about selling, the time to jump in is getting better every day. But if you're thinking about buying and those interest rates are still a little bit too high, a good agent knows how to negotiate interest rate buy-downs. And I'm a good agent. So call me, Debbie Matthews with Nashville Realty Group, 615-476-3224. If you have Medicare and Medicaid, you may be able to get more help to cover your care and costs. A United Healthcare dual complete plan can help you get more benefits than original Medicare. Whether you choose our online tools or over the phone support, United Healthcare will help you compare options so you can choose a plan with confidence. See if you qualify for a United Healthcare dual complete plan. Call 855 UHC MORE. That's 855 UHC MORE. 855 UHC MORE. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. Come senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be the one who has stalled. There's a battle outside and it's raging. It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the time. All right, we're back. Three dudes with a view. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, Clay Harris. Good morning. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. Good morning. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. All right. Regular special guest dude, Mike Roden, helping out Mr. York every Monday. How you doing, Mike? Good morning, everybody. And friend of the station, George Ferales. Good morning. Good morning, guys. All right, I think hey, one, Del, uh, yeah. I, I have similar passions to George, and I think he's on a good mission to try to at least 
teach anti-drug use in every school uh, and, and try to reach every student. But we've got a much larger complex problem. It's in the community. It's in your neighbor. Your neighbors are selling vapes and drugs to people in your community. And when I say your neighbor, I'm not talking about people who live right next to you. I'm talking about the neighbor of Murray County. Right. Yeah. And I, and it, it's a hard problem. You know, like Nancy Reagan just said, just say no back in the 70s. That I, didn't work very well. Well, well because people are making good. money off of the destroying the youth and, and they don't care. Jim, thanks for your comments, and I agree with you. So uh, there's um, part of our society that is um, – they're already there. You know, they're on drugs. They're hooked. And, you know, the truth is is that um, rehabilitation is very difficult. Most drug treatment facilities won't even take you if you're on meth, trying to recover from that. Uh, once you're on drugs, hooked on drugs, it's very, very difficult to get them off drugs. It's a very expensive process. Um, you know, so this is really about prevention. Uh, you can tax uh, drugs all you want. You're not going to build enough jails. You're not going to build enough treatment centers to solve the problem. It has to be about prevention. That, that's where the money needs to go. That's where the time needs to go. And you know what this really comes down to? It's it's love. It's loving our kids, loving our community, and doing something about it. And it, it's time to act. We have we have watched our society slowly disintegrate. It's like boiling a frog. If you put a frog in a pot and you turn it up one degree at a time, before you know it, he's boiled alive and he had a chance to jump out of the pot. You know. And what did Grandma always say? An ounce of prevention, a pound of cure. So we need prevention because if we have prevention, we can really, really, really save a lot of lives and a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of grief. Uh, So I'm willing to just put as much energy in it as I can to try to make a difference. We need this. And with the... um, um, the uh, uh, resource officers already now being required to be in the schools. We have, uh, I guess, the methods in place. We just have got to just organize it and put it into a package and combine it with uh, drug testing. So if you want to play a sport, don't do drugs. If you want to drive on the campus, don't do drugs because you know you're going to be tested. And that's just a deterrent. It's not here to violate someone's Fourth Amendment rights. It's there to help solve a society's problem. And it's time we take action. Here we go. I, I, Mr. York, I, I gather you're in agreement with all of that. Yeah. You know, we ought to prevent as much as we possibly can because we're losing a lot of youth. And uh, then we, you know, like Scott, we, I've talked to him about having some type of facilities available that we could possibly rehab some of the people and get them back to steady state, but, you know, they don't have a place where they really can go and, and stay for a period of time. Uh, well, no, they, that's not exactly true, Mr. York. Back, you know, uh, before I bought the stations, I was doing uh, legal defense work for indigent people, and and we, we've got a number of treatment programs uh, around the mid-state that are available that we would regularly refer uh, defendants uh, to, uh, and uh, we've also got a drug court here now, uh, which is, I think, doing amazing things. And uh, so, no, we, I mean, they're hard to get into, and they're very expensive, unless, and insurance doesn't cover them very much. 
Um, I've had some experience with this, not personally, but a family member who uh, has gone through some of this. And um, finding the, the right facility uh, that, will, that, will, that will take an individual and, uh, and then said, how, how are you going to pay for it? Uh, and it is it, it, it is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. we, we you would, know, I know the Koala Center is up in Nashville and I used to uh, do some work with them. Uh, their their facility that helps out, you know, youth that are having drugs. But what I'm saying, we need some centers around, strategically located around this state to really help people and not just cast them aside once they they start using drugs and become addicted. You know. Well, we we do we have some and we utilize them in the court system uh, regularly. Uh, now, you know, you can have a debate about how effective they are, whether they're funded adequately or not. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but the, the, there were we, – we didn't seem to have any problem referring people to a drug program and having them be able to access it. Uh, not a, a significant problem, but uh, the most – the biggest problem always was getting them to utilize the help that was available mm-hmm. to them, uh, and that's that's a hard thing to to overcome. Yeah. George is over here nodding his head. Yeah, well, you're correct. Uh, but the, here's here's the issue: is that uh, when they get hooked on drugs, yes, they want to have a changed life. They don't like the the misery that they've created in their own lives and their families around them. But first, they have to be very very determined to quit. They have to stick to a program that really works or it doesn't happen. I don't know if you guys saw the article in the paper on Mike Coop's place over there, Place of Hope, uh, talking about the success rates that, they, that they've had. But even a 50% sex, success rate is good, but it's not solving all the problems. And, right. uh, and, and as you say, I mean, by the time they get to the court system and they're being referred to a drug program uh, – you know, you've got a problem that's very hard to fix, and what, uh, George, what you want to concentrate on prevention. is, is prevention. So Getting never, them from— Never get there in the first place. A- absolutely. And, you know, we, we have really numbed our society. I mean, it takes a lot for uh, a student or individual to really see the harmful effects of addiction. See, that's the thing about addiction is you look at it on the outside. Someone gets hooked on drugs. They have a messed up life. And then when they wake up in the morning, they want to do it all over again. That's the power of addiction. And you cannot explain that to a child. You cannot explain that to anybody. The effects and how it gets a stronghold on you and how you're willing to give up everything, your family, your kids, your cars, everything, to get one more hit, one more drug. That's the power of addiction. And now the drugs today, they're so more more uh we more say powerful. more powerful than the drugs of of yesterday. That uh, it's one hit addiction for a lot of these things, and so we have got to have prevention. They have got to see the effects before it affects them. There you go. All right, folks, we're about to go ahead, Miss York. Hey, Clayton, I was going to say, you know, Katani Brown Jackson bailed the Supreme Court out in that hearing. <laughs> what did she do, Miss York? She brought up the issue. The 14th Amendment was a a stopgap measure to stop states from having power during the Confederacy so they wouldn't put people that were going to go right back to the Confederacy in government. Mm -hmm. She was she was spot on on the on the history of the 14th Amendment and that particular clause. Um, I think I've said before uh, that uh, I I didn't think this was a winner of an argument, that this was not going to go anywhere. I am very 
I'm happy that people at least thought of it. You know, personally, personally, yes, I think Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection and therefore under the 14th Amendment should not be allowed to run again. But the question is, if the Supreme Court nailed it, who gets to decide that? Should it be one yeah. state or should be should it be the maybe the nation as a whole? Should there be a conviction first? So I I, I didn't see that coming, to be honest. I should have. But I, when I heard the arguments, I said, yeah, they're right about that. Why should one state get to determine that's going to open up a can of worms? I never thought that was a winner of an argument. Uh, for, one, for one reason or another, it was probably not going to fail. Uh, so I, the, the, the expected outcome does not surprise me. Um, sometimes argue, oral argument does not telegraph how the court is going to rule. In this no, case, I, I think yeah, it did. Yeah, people need but, to understand but, that. that but what my, happens in oral argument does, it can be very misleading at times. It can be. I think this time it probably did correctly telegraph how it's going to go. Mike and I have litigated a lot of constitutional issues in, in the past. Yeah. My, my question is, why hasn't he been charged uh, with the insurrection? That's a very good question. And well, and uh, Jack Smith, if he were here, could could answer that better than I could. I think it was a strategic decision on their part. They they charged him with a lot of things about uh, um, surrounding January six, but not actual the crime of insurrection. I think they thought they would that would be a harder proof and problem. Mike, and, and, they went with what they thought they could convict easily. Mike, you, I mean, to have an insurrection, you've got to have a, a, a belief that you can actually overthrow the government. They weren't going to go in there and swear in Moose Man as a speaker They were trying the to overturn a, a, fair, a, fair and, a fair election, a fair and free election. They were trying to install uh, the losing candidate as the winning candidate, and therefore, they, yeah, that, but, but, yeah, that was what, an insurrection. What, what, no, what chance do they have of, of accomplishing that if that was their goal? Zero. Absolutely zero. Zero. Well, it was part of a larger plan, as we now know. Yeah, right. Oh, do 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 do. They had elected tomorrow. Well, yeah, to the that, January sixth no. commission. The Civil War and January sixth. There's no comparison. Granted, but you know we're talking we're talking scale here. We're talking scale. It, it was an insurrection. Yeah, yeah.